You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Joshua chapter 4, if you will, tonight. Thank you, Pastor, again for allowing us to be a part of uh, your uh, service today. It's a blessing. We were in... uh, Raleigh today at Beacon Baptist Church and uh, had a wonderful time there this weekend. They took us to some pretty cool places to eat. Carolina barbecue. Oh, right? And uh, so we appreciate the opportunity. Joshua chapter 4. Why don't you stand with us for just a reading of a couple of verses here and I'll let you be seated. And uh, I was talking to your pastor. He's been on our campus one time, Carl Wiltsey, right? Graduated from our, our school. And then uh, who was the other one? Michael Futrell. Whoa, I remember a lot of things about Michael. I was the dean at the college for 14 years, and uh, that was when uh, Michael was there. So if you want any stories about Michael Futrell, I, I got him. No, I do not. All right. Joshua chapter 4. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priests' feet stood firm, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every, every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, And take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. We're going to stop reading right there. Simple title for the message right out of the verse. What mean ye by these stones? What mean ye by these stones? God bless you, you may be seated. 
Now let's go back about 800 years before Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. A father and his son are walking together on the west side of the Jordan River near a place called Gilgal. Now as they walk along, the young boy spies a, a pile of rocks that are obviously have been stacked by someone. And by the look of them, they're not just regular stones. They are smooth. They're weather, wet, water-worn. Obviously, they've come from the river bottom. There are 12 of these stones uh, in number that obviously have been placed there by someone. So the young boy tugs on his father's robe and asks, Fathers, what do these stones mean? The father stops and says, son, let's sit down here and let me tell you a story about these stones. So with that, we have the details that we read here in Joshua chapter number 4, verses 1 through 9. Now, maybe you've not given a lot of thought to it. Now, today is, I, I realize it's not Memorial Day, but yet it's Independence Day and it, it brings to my mind and remembrance about what America is all about. I appreciate what your pastor said, you know. Who knows the way that America is going today, the day may come when you can't stand even in a church and sing songs like, God bless America. But we've not maybe given much thought that the Bible has a lot to say about memorials. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Passover is a memorial, right? God told the children of Israel to, to apply the blood over the doorpost and that when the death angel came through Egypt that night and, and slew all the firstborn of everyone in, in Egypt, it was designed to be a memorial. They were to remember what God did that day. Even when they got into the land that God had promised them, they were to continue with that Passover feast. Baptism is a memorial. Every time somebody, that young man that got baptized this morning, when he was put under the water, it was a memorial, wasn't it? It was a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a memorial. It was a picture of what Jesus did for us. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. Jesus told his disciples, as off. As you do this, do it in remembrance of me. It pictured the blood and, and the body that was, was uh, crucified on the cross of Calvary. Our own nation has memorials. We were in Washington, D.C. last week. Saw the Lincoln Memorial, the Iwo Jima Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial. We have days set aside like Veterans Day to remember those that gave their life for the freedoms that you and I have. We have Memorial Day. In Oklahoma City on April the 19th, we have the memorial that's designed for the Murrow Building back in 1995. Many of you would remember that event. September 11, 2001. How many of you have ever been to New York City and seen the Freedom Tower? All of those things are designed to be a memorial of what of what many have done in the past. Someone sent me a picture a couple of years, back to, uh, two years ago, the United States celebrated the 
75th anniversary of D-Day, when, when, our, when our soldiers walked into, into the, the enemy's guns at, at uh, Omaha Beach, and somebody sent me a picture of a landing craft at Omaha Beach, and you can see the bullets in the water and the smoke from the guns, and, and they superimposed an athlete kneeling in this landing barge. And the, the thing that struck me about that picture, that many of those soldiers that you see wading to the shore at Omaha Beach, within seconds after that picture was taken, many of them, their lives were over. And the reason why these athletes and these stars and things and uh, Hollywood stars can burn flags and kneel in the national anthem is because of what those men did that day. We are a nation that needs to remember what people have paid the price for our freedoms. Memorials. There are many memorials that maybe you and I have in your life and in history. And in our text, God tells Joshua to set up a memorial of stones. It was designed to remind the children of Israel that Pass by that way what God did for them. A wonderful event that took place. So when we think about memorials, what's the purpose of memorials that God had them build that day? Why did He have them take 12 stones out of the midst of the river and set them up so that when people passed by and children saw these stones that were arranged by someone... When they asked their fathers, Father, what mean ye by these stones? So why did God have them set up that memorial? Well, let me give you some reasons why. Number one, to shake their memory. To shake their memory. You know, it's awful easy to forget things. Heard about a guy one time, he said, I don't have Alzheimer's, I got some timers. Another guy said, I have a photographic memory. It's just that the SD card is full. I had somebody tell me one time about a medicine that you can take to help you with your memory. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> now we're prone to forget, aren't we? You can have all kinds of reminders on your phone and alarms and desk calendars and pocket calendars. Hey, listen, we tend to forget. God had even warned the children of Israel about the importance of not forgetting. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Then beware lest ye forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So when God had them to set up these stones, it was to be a reminder of, what God, of who God is and what He had done. Why do we tend to forget who God is and what He's done? I think sometimes we forget when we get in a hurry. We have examples in the Bible of people that got ahead of a God. You think about Abraham and Sarah. God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And you know, you don't know very many 75-year-old men that make a career change, do you? But He promised them. He said, I'm going to make of your seed a, a nation that will be more than the stars and the grains of sand on the beach. 
Well, he's 86 years old. And they still don't have any children. So what did they do? You know the story. They took matters into their own hands, did they? And, and, and by the way, the decision that Abraham and Sarah made that day affects you and I even in our world as we live today. They got ahead of God, didn't they? They, they got in a hurry. And as a result of that, it changed the course of history. We tend to forget God when we get in a hurry. I, I think sometimes Christians tend to forget God when we get comfortable. I, I read this somewhere that said really the only affliction that, um, that the American Christian has is that we become too affluent. You know what I mean by that? We got all kinds of stuff, don't we? We have comfort. We have cruise control. I hear people talk about the good old days. I kind of like having air conditioning in my car. You know what I mean? And cruise control. You know, but I'm thinking sometimes as a Christian, can you see this? That you and I can become, that we can forget God when we get comfortable. When the children of Israel arrived in the land of Canaan, they had all, of, all that they needed. Why? Because God had pr promised to supply all of their need. And as a result of their abundance, they began to forget God. So I think we tend to forget God when we get comfortable. I, I think the opposite is true. Sometimes we forget God when we are uncomfortable. You know what I mean by that? You're going through a trial in your life and you might even begin to question where God is. Does He really care? Can I help you tonight? Even if you go through times in your life that are uncomfortable, God hasn't forgotten you. We went through a five-year time frame in our family where my wife, my son Jason, and our, our daughter Rochelle, within a five-year time frame, we, uh, three of them had cancer in five years. Some hard days. There were some uncomfortable days. But you know what? God showed Himself evident. My wife's here tonight, obviously. She survived the cancer. Our daughter Rochelle survived the cancer. Our son Jason survived the cancer. But I have to say, Pastor, that, that those were some uncomfortable times in our life. We need to be reminded of this. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can't control the things that come our way, but we can control how we respond to those things. So I think God had them build this memorial, number one, to shake their memory, Number two, to share their faith. You know, what is the question that is asked here in verse 6? What mean you by these stones? Can you think about that? I mean, can you think about a father who was able to sit down with his son and say, can I tell you what God did right here at this spot? What a wonderful opportunity that father had to share his faith with his son, to let him know, hey, listen, God did something miraculous right here. What a wonderful opportunity. It's so very important. Listen, it's so very important that you as a parent, and I see these little kids walking out, it's just great to see them walking, holding hands, walking out. Michael, right, your little boy, he was a little girl that escorted him out. Huh? Kylie, they were holding hands. I looked over and said, they'll get married one of these days. 
Man, that's precious. You as a parent have an opportunity to share your faith with your children. Growing up in a home, really on my home, I wasn't really a Christian home. I'm the only one of all of my siblings that are that even graduated from high school, I think, went to college and serving the Lord. It's just a, an amazing thing. But you have an opportunity, listen, to shape your kids' faith by your lifestyle, by the things that you do for God. I was telling the group, I have a cassette tape. How many know what a cassette tape is? Yeah. Some of us, how many know what a record is? Amen, now I'm talking, right? Some of you, the only record you know is the one you got down at the police station. But anyway, <laughs> I have a cassette tape, and I was telling the group tonight about our son, two and a half years old, quoting the 126th Psalm. Pastor Rabin preached out of that today. 126 Psalms, 100, he was two and a half years old. When the Lord turned again to captivity Zion, we were like dimly dwindled. I mean, I can't, that's the only way I can even quote that verse and say it like my boy did. Hey, listen, they can learn all kinds of things on television. Teach them the Word of God. You have an opportunity to shape your children's faith by the memorials that you build in your life. We have an opportunity to share, shape our children's faith, an opportunity to, to remember Number three, to shape their worship. Now go to chapter 4, verse 24. We're already there, but look at verse 24. So number one, to shape their, to, to shape their memory, to, to whatever that second one I said. <laughs> I told you I got some timers, right? Share their faith, number three, number three, to shape their worship. Verse 24, look at this. Then all the people of the earth, look at this, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is what? Mighty. That you might fear the Lord, your God, forever. The word fear here means to be in an awe, to have a reverential respect of who God is. Not like a, and again, I grew up in a home with four sisters and you know, I'm the oldest, which means what? Whatever happens in the world is my fault, you know? How many of you are the oldest in your family? You know exactly what I mean, right? If I'd have been alive when the Hindenburg collapsed, my dad would have blamed it for me. You know what I mean? But I grew up in a home with four sisters, and I'm the oldest, and I'm the only boy, and I'm just telling you, listen, listen, I had a fear of my dad not because I have a reverential fear, because I feared his belt. I can remember hearing that thing come through the belt loops, you know, and I knew I was in trouble. Anybody been there, done that, got the scars to prove it, amen? My dad used to tell me, son, this hurts me more than it does you, and I'm thinking, you are a liar. I can't sit down for a week, you know, don't give me that. That doesn't, that's not what that meant. I understood what it meant when I had to spank my children. Oh, should I use the word spank today? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, right? But we need to have a fear of God. Not fear Him as an ogre, mean judge of people that loves to zap people, but a reverential fear. God, God told the children of Israel, listen, Joshua told him, so that you might fear the Lord your God, to have this awe. When you get up in the morning and you see the sunrise, and by the way, it does come up in the morning for those teenagers that 
don't know that. When you get up in the morning and see that sun rising, you ought to look at it and say, God, that is a, God is the creator of all of that. We ought to have that reverential fear to shape their worship, to shape their worship, to help them to understand who God is. Then the fourth reason why I believe he had them to build these memorials is to shatter their past. Look at verse number 9. Joshua sweat, set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest, which bear the Ark of the Covenant, stood. And they are there unto this day. You think about this. Before the Ark and the priest came up out of the water. Now listen, here, I want you to picture this. They take 12 stones out of the midst. And we're not talking about little pebbles here. They carry them on their shoulders. And they set them up on the other side of the Jordan River. But then Joshua also told them to do this. I want you to go out in the midst of the river and set up 12 stones as well. Okay, are you getting this? You, can you picture this in your mind? 12 stones on the west side of the Jordan and 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. And just as soon as the priest came up out of the water, the water began to flow again in the Jordan River. You think, well, that's a silly thing. Nobody will ever see those stones covered by the water. In fact, chances are, and I don't know this, but chances are those stones may not be stacked up again, but that doesn't mean that they are not there. Bible says that they are there unto this day. Now when they came over to the Jordan River, they came to a place called Gilgal. The name Gilgal means the reproach has been rolled away. They have just been 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Somebody said the reason why they wandered is because led by men who wouldn't ask for directions. Now I don't know that for a fact. 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. 40 years. Can I say it this way? Does this make sense? 40 years of failure and defeat had been rolled away in that moment. Buried like those stones in the midst of the Jordan River. Those stones pictured the shattering of a past and a new beginning. By the way, in Luke chapter 24, it tells us of another stone that was rolled away. When Jesus came up out of that grave, they didn't roll the way. By the, by the way, they didn't roll the stone away because they needed to let Jesus out. They rolled the stone away to let us know he wasn't there anymore. And by the way, <laughs> he's still not there. You know what that did for you and I when they rolled, when that stone was rolled away? It shattered our past. That past of sin, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your past is rolled away. You know, people focus so much on the past and, you know, my wife and I, we have opportunities from time to time to do biblical counseling and people are hung up on their past. Can I help you tonight? 
You can't change your past. You know why? Because it's past. But you can change your future. You can change. The one thing about your past that you cannot change is the past. But you can change your future. Have you built some memorials in your life? Shame, failure, regret. Memorials of I can't do it my own way. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I can make it to heaven. We were out knocking doors yesterday and I talked to a guy who's hung up on his works and all of that. And I tried to tell him, you can't do enough to earn what God did for you at Calvary. There's no way. There's no way. You can't do either of those things and expect a good outcome. The stones were set on the bank of the Jordan River they weren't just for remembering because there was another set of stones in the midst of the river that told the children of Israel, hey, your past is removed. Remember that old song we used to sing? Rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. What? Every burden of my heart rolled away. How did that happen? It didn't happen by your good works. It happened by the blood of Jesus Christ. So you can change your past by trusting Jesus in your present. And God, by the way, you trust Him in your present, your future is determined. You'll go to heaven when you die. It's wonderful. What mean you by these stones? Are you passing on, parents, are you passing on your heritage to your children so that they can pass it on to their children and on and on and on. I got grandchildren. How many got grandkids? If somebody would have told me that it was done this much fun, I'd have done it first. You know what I mean? I know that's not possible, but I love my grandchildren. And I, when I pray for my grandchildren, I pray that God will use them someday. God will continue that heritage. Who knows what America will be? And I shuddered. I have an eight-year-old grandson. I love my grandson. He burps and he does all kinds of little boy things, you know, and I, I love him. But I shudder to think what America's going to be like when he gets to be 20 years old. I shudder to think. You know what he needs? He needs his papa to pray for him. We have such a responsibility to raise our children to love God and to forget about their past and trust Jesus as their Savior. I want my grandkids to love God, to love His Word, to be faithful to the things of God. What mean you by these stones? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.